You may be seated. Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. It's all right. We're getting there. Try it again. The faithful remnant this Sunday morning. Let's try it again. Good morning, church. Good morning. It is a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. 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 It is a great day to be here with all of you as we come together to worship God. If we have not met, my name is Angelo. I'm one of the pastors here at Apex United Methodist Church, and I'm delighted to be with you this morning. I have a few very brief announcements for you. You can actually find both of them on the back page of your bulletin. There are several announcements in your bulletin, but the two I want to highlight for you today can be found right on the back. First, Western Wake Crisis Ministry um, is, ho is hosting a summer food drive. Uh, they have increased food needs <coughs> over the summer. There are children in our community um, who... They're not in school over the summer, and they need food. They need food in their homes. This is one way we come together with that ministry to help provide um, food um, and meals for them. So we have a bin out here in the CLC lobby where for the next couple of weeks we'll be collecting some of those um, food drive needs. They're all listed on the back of your bulletin, and we just appreciate um, anything you can donate to help us partner with Western Wake Crisis Ministry in that. Um, in September, we will have our middle school mission weekend called Yes, Youth Engaged in Service. And can I tell you that right now, we are maxed out at the number of youth that we can have sign up for that event. We have 100 middle schoolers, 100 middle schoolers signed up to do Yes in September. We need 20 adult leaders. Um, this morning when I made the announcement the first time, we needed nine more. I believe now we only need seven more, um, which is great. But if you are, if you've been thinking about volunteering in the church, been thinking about a way to do that and get plugged in, this is a great way to volunteer, to come alongside our youth. It's just over a weekend, so it's, you know, it's not like the full week of AOSP. Um, but we give thanks for that ministry, and I just invite you, Marcus McClellan, our director of student ministries, will be in Crossroads following the service to answer any questions you might have about, yes, youth engaged in service. But again, we have 100 middle schoolers signed up. We need just a couple more. Hallelujah, Austin. I love you too. Um, that's my son, by the way. So it's okay. It's okay that I called him out. He's my son. Um, he'll be in Crossroads. All right. So before coming to, I'm almost at a year at Apex. Praise the Lord. Before coming to Apex, um, I had the privilege and honor to serve Swansboro United Methodist Church for four years. And at Swansboro United Methodist Church, about 75 to 80% of my congregation um, was retired or active duty Marines. Retired or active duty Marines. And every time we would get to Memorial Day weekend, I would have a number of those uh, Marines stop me and say, Angelo, um, it's not about us, it's about those who didn't come home. It's not about us, it's about those that didn't come home. And so today, as um, we go into worship, as we take time this weekend to spend time with our families, many of us, um, probably all of us, will have tomorrow off to spend time with our family to enjoy the beautiful weather. Um, one thing I would like to do is just take a moment um, to pause and to pray um, for those families for whom this weekend is difficult, um, for those for whom it is a struggle, and perhaps there are families this weekend even who are experiencing one less family member um, at the dinner table um, due to a sacrifice of a life um, for the belief in this idea of freedom. 
So I want us to pray um, before we enter into worship for those families. Please pray with me. Almighty God, we know that um, in your perfect design, Lord, that you are a God of peace and that your desire is for there to be no war, for there to be no violence, for there to be no fear, no oppression. Um, and yet, because we live in a broken world, those things exist. And Almighty God, we acknowledge um, that there are those in our community um, for whom this is just an all true reality, where mothers and daughters, fathers and sons, brothers and sisters, um, have committed um, to defending this idea of freedom that we have here in America, and they have given their lives for that. And so we just pray. We pray for those families um, who, for this weekend, it is um, perhaps a time of mourning and a time of sadness. Please calm their hearts, fill them with your peace, and help us as your church to be your hands and feet to them. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. All right, friends, let us stand and greet one another in the peace of Christ. Greetings once again. Greetings again. <laughs> hey, what's up? Let's do uh, You good? Yeah. Sure. Put a new battery in and it won't work, but yeah, put it again.
song.
Well, this morning, we are blessed is that we get to share in the joy of welcoming um, two into membership in our church. I want to invite Colleen and Doug um, Davis to come on up at this time. We give thanks for Colleen and Doug in our church. Um, Doug, born and raised in North Carolina, went to NC State, right? In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. And then they went to God's country in Florida, um, praise the Lord, and uh, met Colleen in Tampa, right? Colleen, service child, dad was in the Air Force, McDill Air Force Base in Tampa, praise the Lord. Um, and now they're here. They're here, retired, uh, moved to Holly Springs, and they're joining in membership with us this morning. I'll have some questions for you. Um, they'll be projected on the screens. Um, and these are questions that have been asked in the church since really the birth of the church. So Colleen and Doug, I ask you, on behalf of the whole church, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? If so, say, I do. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? If so, say, I do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? If so, say, I do. I do. As a member of Christ's universal church, will you be loyal to Christ through the United Methodist Church and do all in your power to strengthen its ministries, if so say, I will. As a member of Apex United Methodist Church, will you faithfully participate in its ministries by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness, if so say, I will. All right, church, we have a response together. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I commend to your love and care these persons now before you. Do all in your power to increase their faith, confirm their hope, and perfect them in love, and we all respond together. We rejoice and bid you welcome to Apex United Methodist Church. With you, we renew our vows to uphold it by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. Amen. I wanted to just pray for y'all, welcome y'all into our family. So if y'all would just extend a hand of blessing towards them, um, I'll pray for them at this time. Almighty God, we give you thanks for Colleen and for Doug. Um, for their life together, for their love of you, and for their love of this church. Lord, give us grace as we come around them as family. Help them to really experience this place um, as a home, as a place where um, they find fellowship and family with you and with others as we strive to build the body of Christ together. We pray that in your son's name. Amen. I have certificates for you. Colleen, and for Doug. Let's give them a hand as we welcome them into our church. God bless y'all. All right. Well, friends, this morning, we are beginning a 10-week journey through Paul's letter to the Philippians. Paul's letter to the Philippians. Um, so as we begin that journey, I invite you to just pray with me for a brief moment. Almighty God, I know that you have spoken your word to me. I pray now that I would decrease so that you might increase and speak it through me. And Lord, if necessary, 
speak in spite of me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we're journeying through Paul's letter to the Philippians um, together, and we're doing that for a few reasons. First, we just preached a couple weeks ago as part of our Explore God series. Um, we preached on a question, is the Bible reliable? And the answer for us is, is yes, we're people of faith. When we come to church, we read the scriptures, we search the scriptures together. Um, every single Sunday, uh, we preach, teach from scripture. But one of the realities and traditions of this church is that while we do that every Sunday at different seasons in the church, we strive to just pick a single book of scripture and walk through it together. And so traditionally that's been done in the summer. If you were with us last year, you remember we walked through the book of Daniel together. This summer we will be walking through Philippians. Now, really, the praise the Lord, it's my son so I can say these things. The foundational reason, the foundational reason that we've chosen um, this letter specifically is because right now at this time, in our church, in our world, we believe that there are three themes that um, our world is really hungry for. And that is unity, integrity, and humility. Unity, integrity, and humility. And so as we walk through Paul's letter together, um, we'll be highlighting these things throughout. Now, I want to set up our scripture for us this morning. Um, one of the things I'm really excited about is we're going to uh, receive this scripture in the way that really Paul anticipated and intended it to be received. When Paul wrote a letter, he'd write one letter, one letter, and it would go to the community. Someone in that community would get the letter, they would rehearse and prepare the letter, and then they would read the letter out loud to the congregation. So as we listen to it together, this is the way that the Philippian church would have experienced this message from Paul. And every week we're going to pick up right where we left off, right where we left off. So we're going to read every single word of Philippians this summer. Now, if you're traveling a lot, if you're away a lot, if you're taking vacation and all that this summer, we do have a podcast. So I invite you as you're away to consider keeping up with us in that way, because every sermon will just pick up where the last one left off. We also have these scripture cards. We hand them out every week. They're part of what we call our 40-day Bible challenge. There are people in our church who really, since the beginning of the year, have been reading their Bible every single day um, through this ministry. We have faithful people in our church who put these together, and they really tie in to our sermon series. So this summer, if you get a scripture card, just grab one every week. They're also available online. Uh, you will walk through the book of Philippians, Paul's letters to the Philippians, right alongside us as a church. Um, so I invite you to take one, to grab one this morning, if you haven't um, gotten one already, and consider reading along with us as a church family. But as I set up our scripture, we're going to be in Philippians 1, 1 through 11. And this is really going to be line by line, praise the Lord teaching. I'm really excited about it. So if you're not used to bringing your Bible to church, this is a great season to do that in. Um, we'll also have it projected on the screens. And if you have a Bible app on your phone, all good. I'm preaching from an iPad. Go for it. Praise the Lord. Now, to set up the scripture, Paul, Paul, his story 
you can read about in the book of Acts. I'm going to give you two specific chapters in Acts that if you want to go and read later, you can to give you more insight on Paul. Paul's conversion and calling comes in Acts chapter 9. In Acts chapter 9, Paul receives his conversion and calling from um, a Jewish religious leader who was seeking to persecute Christians into someone called by Jesus Christ to go and spread the gospel. And so after he receives that call, what does he do? He begins his journeys throughout the world to spread the gospel. I have a map up here. You can easily Google this map. Um, you can just, praise the Lord, you can just talk about, uh, you can just Google Paul's missionary journeys, and it'll show you where Paul went throughout the world, throughout the known world at the time, um, really building churches, planting churches, um, sharing the gospel with people. And so Paul starts that. You see that whole story through the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 16 is where Paul finds himself in Philippi. And it's a pretty neat story. Paul was seeking to go somewhere else, but it says in the scripture that the Holy Spirit continued to stop him. It continued to stop him, and eventually he made his way into Philippi, um, which is a crucial moment because it's the first time that the gospel really makes its way into Europe. The gospel makes its way into that area of the world at the time. is right here in Philippi. Now, in Acts chapter 16, um, Paul meets some important people. He meets a woman named Lydia. Maybe you've heard Lydia before. Lydia comes up through some of Paul's letters and um, throughout Acts. Lydia is someone who would come to really support Paul, especially financially, to support his ministry. So that was a crucial introduction for Paul at that time. But it also says that he came across this woman who was possessed by a demon. All right, this woman was possessed by a demon, and it gave her the ability um, to be a fortune teller, is what the scripture tells us. And so this woman was doing this fortune telling for some influential people in Philippi, and she was bringing in income for them. But she was pestering Paul. The scripture actually says that Paul was annoyed by this woman. I love that word. Paul was so annoyed by this woman that he cast the demon out of her. Um, unlike Jesus, who would cast the demon out probably out of compassion, scripture tells us that Paul cast the demon out because he was annoyed by this woman who kept coming by and, and uh, telling his fortune or something. I'm not sure what she was doing. But Paul was annoyed by it. All right. He gets thrown into prison while he's in Philippi because he just cut off this income source from all these influential people, so they throw him in prison. And while he's there, the people that he's been pre uh, preaching to, spreading the gospel to, they are there, they are supporting him. Eventually, he gets out of prison and he moves on. He goes on more missionary journeys, and he finds himself in prison again, this time in Rome. He finds himself in prison again, this time in Rome, and it is in Rome... While he's in prison there, that he writes this letter to the Philippians. So with that said, we're going to jump right in. This is Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. 
It is right for me to think this way about all of you because you hold me in your heart. For all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you to determine what is best so that in the day of Christ Jesus, you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, as I said before, and while I believe there are many themes that we could highlight throughout Paul's letters to the Philippians, three that we really want to focus on um, today, this morning, are humility, unity, and integrity. Humility, unity, and integrity. And in many ways, um, these three themes form kind of like a, a Pauline ethic of Christian behavior. Um, what Paul both sees in the church in Philippi and and what he wants to encourage them in. So he both sees this in them and he desires to encourage them in it. And he really begins right at the beginning. I want to just go back and read verse 1. Verse 1, um, Paul begins to model right from the beginning humility. He says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Now, much like writing today, and when Paul wrote a letter, you know, writing had form and function. Depending on what you were writing, what kind of letter, what kind of book, what kind of whatever you were writing, it would change the form of how you would write it. So Paul is writing a letter, and the letters would always include a uh, greeting, a uh, salutation, a uh, body, and then a closing. All right, so today we're looking at the greeting and the salutation. And Paul's greeting here, the church in Philippi, is unique. It's unique and that he begins with Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. To give you some examples of how it's unique, I want to share some of Paul's other intros, greetings, um, to churches. So here's Romans. Romans 1, Paul simply says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. Ephesians, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Galatians, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. 1 Corinthians, Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes. 2 Corinthians, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. Now, let's go back to that first verse in Philippians. Um, Paul says, Paul and Timothy, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. When Paul talks about humility, when he models humility in the scripture, he's going to do it um, through posturing. How he postures himself towards God and how he postures himself towards others. In the past, we've seen Paul say things like, Paul, and then if he mentions someone else, it's far along the road, later down the line, and Timothy. Or and someone. So Paul, an apostle, servant, blah, 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 blah and this other person. Here in Philippians, it's unique and important that Paul just starts by saying Paul and Timothy. He is lifting Timothy up as a co-equal, a co-equal and a partner, that's a word that's going to come up later, a partner 
in ministry with Paul. So he lifts Timothy up, sets him as a co-equal in the ministry, Paul and Timothy. And then he uses a certain word, servant. Now, in my translation, NRSV, it says servant of Christ Jesus. If you're reading from the NIV, your translation probably uses the word slave, slave. This Greek word for slave and servant, doulos, is a very strong word, a word that would have been unsettling, especially to some middle class um, people at the time listening. And it becomes even more unsettling just a chapter later when Paul places that word on the person of Jesus himself, when he says Jesus took the form of a slave or Jesus took the form of a servant. But what he's saying is, yes, I'm Paul. Yes, I'm Paul. But to you, I'm going to present myself alongside Timothy, not over and above Timothy, but alongside Timothy, and then in service, in complete service to Jesus. When he moves on, when he moves on from that, alongside this humility that he's trying to model, he also acknowledges a deep appreciation for the church in Philippi and how they live in unity with him. So he continues. Um, we just read verse two, verse one, going on to verse two. He says, grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul's love is on display for this church. As we will see throughout the letter, um, the way that Paul talks about the Philippian church, he loves this church. He really loves these people, and he loves them for a reason. One of the things I love about Paul here in this letter is that he doesn't just write like really flattering, flowery language to this group of people. He's qualifying it. So he's not just saying, hey, you're really great. He's saying, you're really great. And then in verse five, he uses that word, because. You're really great because. And he says, because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. Again, in my translation, it's the word sharing. In other translation, it might be the word partnership. Partnership. Paul believed that these people were partners in the ministry of the gospel with him, that they shared in that ministry with him, that when he was, uh, when he was um, preaching to them and he was in prison for the first time, they came alongside him. When he was in prison, again, for the second time, they're supporting him, they're coming alongside him. And so he acknowledges that partnership in the gospel. But it's really a partnership in the right things, in rejoicing together, and in suffering together, in rejoicing together, and in suffering together. And this is not new language for Paul. Uh, we see this throughout his other letters, probably the most well-known um, place is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul says, uh, though we are many, though we are many members, we are one body together. We are one in the body, we are one in the spirit I'll read it to you. He says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. And so Paul thanks the church for their partnership. 
And he's really laying down the groundwork for what will come up again and again and again throughout this letter is this theme of partnership in the gospel together. Um, Kent Hughes, who is a respected theologian, wrote an interesting book called Philippians, The Fellowship of the Gospel. The Fellowship of the Gospel. For all my Tolkien fans in the room, your ears are probably ringing right now, right? Yes. Um, This is what Kent Hughes said. He said, this is why this book has the subtitle, The Fellowship of the Gospel. It is an epic fellowship as suggested by Tolkien's title, The Fellowship of the Ring. Woo! Um, No punch and cookies here. This is the fellowship of compatriots bound together in a great cause. You will not understand the letter if you do not understand this. This language is unique that Paul uses with the Philippian church where he calls them partners, sharing in the gospel. The way that he talks about them, it really is unique to them. And he's always qualifying it. He's saying because he moves on and he talks about what he sees in the Philippian people, why he thinks so highly of them. So, so far, you know, we've seen the posture of humility. Um, We've seen the giving thanks for unity. Uh, In verse 6, he starts to describe the people. And he says, I am confident of this. This word confident is a lot like that word earlier because the buzzword. I'm confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you because you hold me in your heart for all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Paul's confidence in these people is because he believes that they are people of integrity. And what do we mean when we say people of integrity? Here's what we mean by integrity. Um, We say integrity happens when your external life matches your internal life. When your external life matches your internal life. So Paul's confidence in them really stems from that fact that he believes that they're actively living into his teaching even while he's not watching. Again, it's why this whole letter is unique. If you read Paul's letters, most of the time he is writing to a group of people that have succumbed to false teachings in the church. So Paul comes in, he plants a church, he tells them what they need to know, then someone else comes in and tells them different things, other things they need to know, other things they should know, and they start to believe the other person. And so Paul writes to them, and he'll say, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus with whoever, I'm really glad, I'm glad to know you, you're great, all that good stuff, but what in the world are you doing? And the rest of the letter, rest of the letter, How can you guys miss the point? How can you miss the point? That's not what he's saying to the Philippians. He's saying you're actually getting it. You're actually getting the point. You are a partner in this with me. I'm confident that all of this is going to come to fruition with you because I've seen it at work in you. Paul continues and continues and continues to build up the Philippians, but he's not just building them up. He's also challenging them as well. He's also challenging them as well. And from there, he goes on to pray for them. Verse 9, he says, and this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight. Now, this is a prayer for integrity. 
for integrity to continue to grow within the people. It's a prayer for an internal transformation that, that promotes some external reality. Okay, so he's saying, it's my prayer that your love may overflow with more knowledge and insight to help you determine what is best as behavior, to help you determine what is best so that in the day of Christ Jesus, you may be pure and blameless, and here's the result. Having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. So he prays. He prays for love, for knowledge, for wisdom. He prays for transformation that would affect their behavior so that their behavior and moral discernment would match their wisdom to bring about fruitfulness all to the glory of God. I believe that that prayer is as relevant to us today as it was to the Philippian church. That as we grow in our knowledge and wisdom and love of God, that our behavior, our actions, we might be able to actually discern what God is calling us to do, how God is calling us to act, how God is calling us to live in a way that would produce fruit. The most important thing for Paul in all things is a desire to amplify the gospel message and to glorify God above all things. Theologian N.T. Wright, if you've never heard of him, um, he's an excellent theologian. He wrote a great book called Paul for Everyone, The Prison Letters. And he walks through all of Paul's prison letters, and he is someone who is so brilliant and yet can put something so plainly and simply that you just get it. So if you've been looking for a great book to enter into Bible study with, that's a great one. Um, Paul for Everyone, The Prison Letters. But here's what um, N.T. Wright says about this specific part of this letter. He says, The important thing throughout is that at every stage of the process, when people first hear the gospel, when they believe it, when they begin to live by it, and when they make progress in faith and love, nothing is done to the glory of the people concerned, as though they were able arrogantly to advance their own cause. Everything is done, as he insists here, through King Jesus and to the glory and praise of God. As we walk through this scripture together, um, it is my desire that as we see Paul encourage and challenge the Philippians to grow as people full of humility, people who um, value unity, and people um, who have integrity, that space would be created um, within us to be people of greater humility, of greater unity, and of greater integrity. Paul really loved this church. And in that love for them, he challenged them. And in that love for them, he challenged them. So it's my prayer uh, that as we experience the love of God, that we're also challenged. That we're also challenged throughout the summer. One thing that I really want to do, and I'm going to invite the praise band to come back up at this time. Um, one thing that I really wanted to do throughout this series was to read the scripture twice. Once at the beginning, walk through it together, and then read it again at the end. Perhaps with um, more questions, perhaps with um, a deeper appreciation or some more understanding. But I'm going to read it to us, and I invite you to simply receive it this morning. Hear now the word of the Lord. Paul and Timothy, 
servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you because you hold me in your heart. For all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you to determine what is best, so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, for the glory and praise of God. The word of God for us, the people of God.
go now from this place in the grace and peace of God the Father, the love of Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Believe the